Well, dear Dave, a card you. Say, Sean, Jerry Adams. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, The says, Chinus, a gumsa. Tan Covid, a gum. Ak Nilche, Rodana, so Kahime, just to be. A lot of I, Lesson, Upper, August, Lesh, and Tail. Well, folks, if you find my voice a little more crooky than usual, that's because I have fallen victim of the COVID. So, we just have to do our best. I avoided it for two years. And then it got me. And we just work away and this too shall pass. So, as regular listeners will know, citizens outside of the southern state, including those in the north, are denied the right to vote in elections to select the President of Ireland. And this is despite support for this right by the current government, it's actually in the programme for government, it's also supported by a constitutional convention. And in June 2019, as Chuck for allowed, I cautiously welcomed a decision by the then Irish government to hold a referendum on presidential voting rights. The referendum was scheduled for October of that year. This was not the first time a date had been set for the referendum. In 2013, the Constitutional Convention agreed that Irish citizens in the North and the diaspora should have the right to vote in presidential elections. In November 2015, the Joint Oireachtas Committee on European Affairs recommended extending the voting rights. In October 2018, Antishak Leo Faradkar announced that a referendum would be held in May 2019, and none of this happened. Senator Nalo Donnella has pursued government ministers on this very important issue since his election to the Shannad six years ago. The last time Nal raised it as a commencement matter in the Shannad was with the then Minister of State with responsibility for the diaspora. Back then, the country, this was in 2020, November, back then the country was in the grip of the pandemic and it wasn't possible or practicable to hold a referendum due to the health restrictions. Two weeks ago, Nile raised the presidential referendum with the Minister of State, Frank Feehan, who has over the years expressed his support for the referendum. During the debate in the Shannon, Nile remarked that over the St. Patrick's Day period, many ministers and politicians will be travelling overseas to join in the celebrations. At least 33 will do so in person in places across the USA, in venues in Canada, the European Union and elsewhere. And where no such visits occur, the local embassies will facilitate celebrations. This is a measure of the 
size of the Irish diaspora scattered across the globe. A key issue of concern for the diaspora is the right to vote in presidential elections. Nell also reminded the Minister that Leah Baradkar, when Taoiseach, promised citizens in the North The then Taoiseach Leopardkar promised citizens in the North in December 2017 that no Irish government would ever again leave Northern nationalists behind. Nile called on the government to honour the commitment it has made and to extend full citizens' rights the people in the north and elsewhere, and to hold a referendum in this crucial and opportune time frame. He recalled the extensive preparatory work that has been done already, the commitment from the Constitutional Convention, the legislation that has been published but failed during the previous Oireachtas, it has been reissued, republished, and returned to the order paper. One of the most basic rights and entitlements of any citizen is the right to vote. The president is not president of a landmass, as he recently said eloquently. He's president of the Irish people. It's only right that all the Irish people of the right, all the people of Ireland have the right and the entitlement to vote, whether it's in the global diaspora family or whether it's those citizens just up the road in the six counties. So it's time for the government to outline a time frame and to implement this non-contentious commitment. So well done. Now or the Uber, their sire Uber or an Uber, Tapak Taksha. And now that the pandemic restrictions have eased, I have to say it's great to get out and about again, although uh, catching the COVID in the course of it is a reminder of the need to take precautions and I have taken all the normal precautions. I wear a mask all the time. Uh, I wash my hands regularly. I avoid uh, being in close proximity to other uh, human beings and I've got my three uh, injections. But uh, that's the way of it. Despite the danger I, I I have to say the countryside is gorgeous and with the few uh, days of bright sharp sunshine I've been galloping around West Tyrone, South Armagh County Down and the events I'm doing they're, they're very relaxed discussions about books and reading and I do a few readings from Black Mountain and there's always the chance to meet new friends and of course the opportunity to catch up on old friends. I've also planted a crown the Searsha and Cross McLean 
in Sand Mills and Kilku and in Hilltown. And it's great to enjoy the countryside, the sea spring coming. And the, the choir stretch of the evening is a joy to behold. Daffodils, snowdrops, other bright, hopeful flowers are popping their heads up above the soil. The wind bushes are in full bloom. Hawthorn is starting to blossom. In a month's time, all the hedges which are nigh brown or barren, and the trees will be green and vibrant. So, my friends, get out, take precautions, but get out, get out and about. Fresh air is still free. Enjoy it and all the beautiful places we live in. The Russian invasion of Ukraine continues to dominate, understandably, the news agenda. The lines of tanks and armoured vehicles moving towards the main cities across Ukraine. The images of hospitals and family homes bombed and destroyed of refugees, particularly children, the elderly and the people with disabilities fleeing has led to a massive outpouring of solidarity. People want to help. Some provide food and clothing for shipping to Ukraine. Others offer to provide shelter for those refugees who make it to their shores. It's all very worthwhile and it's all very commendable. However, there are some in the political and media establishment in the South who have cynically seized on the current crisis to argue for an end to Irish neutrality. Some media commentators have worked themselves up into a militaristic frenzy. These are the people who are very unlikely to be on the front line of any war. But they want the Irish government to sign up to a European army and to NATO. Many of them are the same people who support the continued use of Shannon to use to US warplanes. Leif Radker spoke recently of the need to think about deeper involvement in European defence. Neil Richmond, a Finnegale TD, wants Irish missiles to be sent to Ukraine. Michal Martin told the BBC on Sunday, last at Sunday week ago, we will have to reflect on the military neutrality position more generally. The Taoiseach claims that Changing neutrality is simply a matter of change in government policy. The fact is that any formal participation in the European common defence structure would require a referendum. Of course, if the Irish government was serious about confronting the militarism and imperial ambitions of Putin and his friends, it would move urgently to close down the financial arrangements that have allowed billions of Russian money to be moved through the financial institutions in Dublin. 
For the past two years, Sinn Féin TD Mariette Barrel has pursued this issue in the Dáil. Research two years ago revealed that over an 11-year period up to 2017, an estimated 118 billion euros passed through the International Financial Services Centre in Dublin. The Irish government has waffled and evaded and refused to engage on this issue. It prefers instead to opt for a debate on neutrality, which would see the Irish state pay out huge sums on armaments and be prepared to send Irish men and women to fight in international wars. Despite the hyperbole around neutrality and against the backdrop of the Russian invasion and the catastrophic humanitarian crisis it has created, the most recent opinion polls conducted by the Amarok polling group showed that 70% of Irish people continue to support Irish neutrality. It is for this reason that many countries who see the Irish state as non-aligned voted for the Irish government to be given a seat in the UN Security Council. The commitment to humanitarian missions and the role of Irish soldiers in countless UN-endorsed peacekeeping missions is diplomatic strength. It's not a weakness. And it's in this context that the Irish government has an important role. While others shout for war, we should be shouting for peace. We should be promoting the imperative of negotiation and dialogue. We know what it's like to make peace. We know what is needed to bring about an end to conflict. And without doubt, there can be no military victory in the war in Ukraine. Even if Russian forces succeeded in completely occupying Ukraine, that will simply mean the war taking on a different style, a different mode. The people of Ukraine have demonstrated a fierce and courageous determination to defend our homeland and to uphold their right to self-determination and independence. The only viable solution to the war in Ukraine is diplomatic, and this will emerge only through dialogue and negotiation. And that should be the focus of the Irish government. Every opinion poll ever published has endorsed neutrality as a preferred policy option of the Irish people. Instead of abandoning neutrality, we should be adopting a policy of positive neutrality and enshrine it in the Irish constitution. The Irish state should not be part of any military alliance. Michal Martin's willingness to consider holding a citizens' assembly on neutrality is in stark contrast to his refusal to consider a citizens' assembly on the issue of Irish unity. It would appear that sending Irish men and women off to fight wars in other places is more important than ending the schism on the island of Ireland caused by partition and finding a peaceful future with our unionist neighbours. No doubt 
this podcast will return to this issue in the time ahead. And as I post this, we will be coming to the end of St. Patrick's Week, so not too late to be uh, wishing you all a happy St. Patrick's Week. I was delighted to be in Down Patrick during the week, uh, a historic town which is forever connected with St. Patrick. And uh, around this time in... 1984, I was shot and wounded, and I was in the hospital. And my uncle Paddy, my great uncle Paddy, who was a, a gentleman and a scholar, he called in to see me on St. Patrick's Day in the hospital, and he died later on that afternoon. He died suddenly. And he loved being Irish, and he always drowned his shamrock on our national day, so I always raise a glass to him on the 17th. So wherever you are in the world, whether you're Irish or not, enjoy St. Patrick's Week. And I think we'll just go out, because we have so much to celebrate, with Sean O'Reilly's iconic Misha era. Gunyuri and Tal live. Ron Armstrong, we McGlure. Sorry about the hoarseness of my voice. Gwinnigi Saltas, we're sealed.